Welcome to another episode of the Dunce Caps American History. As always, I am Rob. My name is Chris. Chris is here. Chris for Martin Metcalf. Drinking milk. Drinking milk. Uh, today we're doing chapter 27. Well, back up. We're in a new unit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, this unit is called Challenges at Home and Abroad, 1945 to 1975. Yeah, a, a black guy holding hands with some nerd. <laughs> you see that? Where, Down this here? year? Yeah, look. look Who's down. the black guy to the right of Martin Luther King? No, he's just his friend. Just his friend. But then he's holding that nerd's hand. Yeah. <laughs> I, whatever they're saying, I'm with them. <laughs> I'm just their accountant. No one else likes me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so chapter seven, 27, the Cold War era. Yeah, 1945 to 1960. And right before we recorded, you are just like, I thought that took place in the 80s. Yeah, I thought the Cold War, it's like when we're, you know, competing with Russia to build up uh, nuclear weapons. Maybe there's more than one Cold War. Maybe. Maybe? I don't know. I mean, well, I there's mean, a lot of PDs. That, p- if there were, you'd think one would be called the Cold War and one would be called the Colder War. The other Cold War. The coldest of wars. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, section one, Cold War origins. How and why did America aid European nations after World War II? Uh, because they got the shit kicked out of them and we feel bad for everybody. Yeah. I wonder, the book's probably going to get into, I guarantee you, just like with World War One, there's going to be people that are like, all right, we did our part. Everyone get home. We're going to, you know, do our thing. Right. Back to business. You know, <laughs> women get out of work. Black people go away. The man, the boys are back in town. Well, I mean, this was World War Two. This is like the second time that we just fucked everything up there. And we just destroyed two cities with atomic bombs. Yeah. It's like having a party on a Saturday and then having a party the following Saturday. And you're just like, why did we do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Why? How and why? Yeah. Because everything here was fine. <laughs> Except Pearl Harbor. We were, I mean, we were, we were probably We turned into a really cool though, tourist right? destination, so... Did what? we fall into a depression after the war? No, after World War II, we're booming. Are we? Yeah. Because other countries are just buying shit from us. Yeah, probably. And and the fact that we um, were producing so much for the war right. boosted the economy, created jobs. Yeah. Shit. But aren't these other countries buying stuff on loan from us? So they kind of are just growing, accruing, like growing credit? After the war? Or, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I no mean, idea. if your country got the shit kicked out of it, how do you have any money to buy anything? Whatever. I guess I'm asking rhetorical questions. We I don't have know. No answers to. All right. Section two. Post-war politics. What em- economic, social, and political challenges did, did Americans face after World War II? I, I think we just already kind of talked about it. I mean, I bet you all the same shit that happened right after World War I was happening after World War II. Yeah. Plus, like, guys assimilating, coming back from the war, probably a little fucked in the head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, all these people are away and they have, don't have job. Like, they come back and they're like, all right, we want to work. Where's the jobs? I wonder if people were, like, worried about, like, a Hitler, too. 
Yeah, like, oh, Stalin's still alive. Fucking really hope this doesn't happen again. Actually, Stalin's not that smart. He won't do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Section three, the Korean War. How and why did America involve itself in the Korean conflict in the 1950s? How? I mean, we went over there. Yeah. (laughs) We made the show MASH. Yeah. Why? Um, Probably because we realized that we can win any war. Yeah. At this point. I mean, we win everything, don't we? Bravado. There's only we've literally only lost one war, and been that one was against ourselves, which we also technically won. won. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're batting, you know, what is it like eight and eight or something? A thousand. A thousand. <laughs> we're undefeated. Yeah. Um, section four: America in the 1950s. How did the American prosperity of the 1950s affect the country's economy and culture? Oh, everybody was just living it up. Yeah, man. I mean, this is when we had, like, Happy Days and all those great programs. Yeah, like the Wonder Years. Everyone's just like, ah, gee whiz, Bill. Ah, gee whiz, Billy. Was it Leave it to Beaver? Yeah, Leave it to Beaver. All those fucking shows. Yeah, the perfect. They were all the same. <laughs> it's like the, I picture that music, like the Ren and Stimpy music that they the would The Nuclear play. Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would always have those things where it's like, uh, like, all right, children, now we're going to do our nuclear drill. Get under the desks. Right, yeah. Like that type of creepy shit. All right, let's uh, do a little critical thinking. Okay. Like this shit. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm home. Everybody's just eating meatloaf every fucking day. Yeah. (laughs) Honey, would you like another meatloaf? (laughs) Sure I would, sweetheart. Another meatloaf. (laughs) It's like opens up the fridge and there's just meatloafs. And milk. Yeah. That's it. Ketchup. Lots of ketchup. Extra ketchup. (laughs) Drowning in ketchup. (laughs) You know how you like a meatloaf. I like my meatloaf. Extremely burnt, dried, and then smothered in ketchup. <laughs> Slides right down my throat. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't even know. chew it. I, I, I look at these questions. They're all pretty specific. Um, let's see. I mean, we, I, well, I mean, we don't have to do every section. I was going to say maybe we could just like take turns listing stuff. On, like, on, it, we don't have to do this web diagram, but list some direct results in America of the Red Scare. What are you asking? Why are you doing that with your eyebrows? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I guess we've done all these jokes already. I mean, the Red Scare, were we talking about women's periods? <laughs> I don't know what that is. The Red Scare, we talked about that in the previous chapter. Oh, yeah? It's like that movement of like everyone blaming everything on Russia for all of our problems. Yeah, don't but, be a communist. But we don't have any problems right now. <laughs> I thought we were all eating meatloaf. I mean, we're eating meatloaf, but we have to eat meatloaf looking over our shoulder. Oh. Because God only knows that those commie Russians are going to come over here and stab right. us in the back. Uh, what's some of the direct results in America of the Red Scare? Uh, I don't know. We... Everyone keeps gas masks inside <laughs> the classrooms. Banned vodka. Like... Vodka's over. 
No more uh, Russian dressing. <laughs> I can't really, really don't know. Look, the point is we need somebody to hate, and right now it's Russia. <laughs> Japan can't talk right now. Germany's done, and now all we got left is Russia. Why was the CIA formed, and why were some Americans suspicious of the organization? Well, well it was formed so we can keep an eye on the Russians, I'd imagine. Is that what it was? I mean, Central Intelligence Agency? I don't know. Spies. Yeah, Truman's just like, I want spies. Spies are so cool. <laughs> spies and ska music. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I love more than tighten strings and horns and then spy it on people. Yeah, I don't know. What were you thinking? I mean, why were some Americans suspicious of of the organization? I mean, because They're keeping tabs on everybody. Yeah, you're creating or you're you've created an organization where everyone is like, it's not like the police where the police are like on the street walking around. These guys right. are like, you don't know who's in the CIA. It's like you're like a secret agent. Right. And America's like, hey, what's going on over there? And Truman's like, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah. But, but, but what do you mean, don't worry about it? I'm a taxpayer. Listen here. If you want to be on that list, you won't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. all, all right, fine. I won't worry about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I feel like this is, this is, like, the beginning of when you start getting into all... Well, I mean, I guess there's always been, like, sketchy stuff going on in the government, but I feel like this, like, just gets it tenfold. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like multiple government agencies. Wor- they might be working on the same thing, but they're like against each other. You know, the CIA and the FBI meet, but then like there's just like regular street detectives. Right. It's like, this is our case. No, this is my case. We've been following this guy. It's like, what? How? I don't trust you that you were doing that. I'm just a normal cop. You're so se- You're like a secret cop. All right. <laughs> I'm uneasy about this. Yeah. Americans don't like secrets. Explain in a paragraph the major events that led directly to the stalemate in Korea. <laughs> Bulgogi beef. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, delicious uh, Korean barbecue, bro. Really? Oh, so good. I have to try Kim that. Kimchi. Mm. Kimchi. Just, just those two things. <laughs> That's it. They realize, like, oh, shit, they've got good food over here. How did the... What are these hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> that's beef. Wait a oh, minute. That's a beef. What kind of hot dog is this? <laughs> you guys got hot dogs here, too? <laughs> You're telling me the, this is vegetables? <laughs> kimchi. <laughs> Eating kimchi. What? It's rotten. Don't taste rotten. Ugh. I eat rotten stuff all the time. It doesn't taste nearly as good as this. I eat rotten stuff, but I certainly don't eat rotten vegetables. Not by choice. (laughs) Is this where, like, North and South Korea split? Is that what this is? Is that what the Korean War is? Or is that something different? I don't know. Truman and MacArthur? Yeah, these are, like, specific. I don't know anything about this shit. Nope. All right. Move on. This one's stumping us. But yeah, man, you should you should get on that bulgogi beef. I'll make it for you. It's good. You can make it. Yeah, it's you easy. know how to make it. 
It's real easy. It's literally it's a hot easy. dog. No. <laughs> yeah, I just hand you a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, why did urban poverty increase during the 1950s? 1950s baby boom. Is that why they're called baby boomers? Yeah. Everybody came home from war and fucked. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, th- I think that's like a serious thing, though. Like, people came back from war and they were just like, man, we're still here. This is crazy. Like, they, you know, people Yahoo! were still on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Let's fuck. Yeah. Everyone was just so stoked. Yeah. Psyched to be back. Hold me in. <laughs> I still have a dick. Do you still have a vagina? Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could take two or three of you on at a time. <laughs> uh, write a brief description of the types of music that were popular in the 1950s. <laughs> and like doo-wop. Shabbat, shabbat. Yeah. Doo-wop, doo-wop. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's that song? Uh, uh, what's the group? The Flamingos? Sure. Fuck. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up. Hey there, honey. Reminds me of, I want to say Milk Money. Is a song in that movie? I think this is also in Goodfellas. Hey there, sweetheart. Maybe. I don't think so. I think you're wrong about that. Hey, Billy, Jimmy, Bobby. You want to see a dead body? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Hey, sweetheart, I just got back from war. I jerked (laughs) off a bunch of times. I saw my friends die, and I had sex with a French guy one time. You gotta understand, I was over there for a long time. Shh, no, 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 listen. I really wanna do it. So bad. It. I wanna do it. It's the 50s, so I'm not gonna say fuck, (laughs) even though I just said fuck. So what do you think? Should I get a pack of dong bags so we can knock boots? (laughs) Dong bags? I am. I definitely want to. Uh, oh, Bobby, <laughs> you're so romantic. I like places in the city. Like keep the condoms behind the counter. Just go yes. up to them and be like, "Yeah, give me uh, a bunch of dong bags." Hey there, let me get a couple of dong bags. Yeah. <laughs> <You> sell singles. <laughs> just need one. I just need one. It's for me. I haven't had sex in like four years because I was away at war. <laughs> um. While president, what was Eisenhower's greatest domestic achievement, and why was it important? Drive-thrus. Is that what he did? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Diners. That's what his greatest achievement is: drive, drive-in, drive-through movie theaters. Milkshakes. Fuck, do I know? Malt shakes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What did Dwight Eisenhower do? Wasn't he considered? He was a pretty good president, no wasn't he? Sure. I, I have no idea. I don't know anything about this time period. I mean, all you have to know about this time period is just go to a Johnny Rockets. Isn't this also indulge. when, like, guys were getting out of the war and, like, some of them were, like, starting, like, biker gangs and shit? I doubt McGraw's going to cover that. Yeah, but but I think I read, uh, what's that guy's name? Sonny Barger? After World War II? I feel like that would be yeah. something that would be, like, after, like, Vietnam. I'm, it was, I think it was World War II, and then some of them were, and then, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Who the fuck knows? 
probably both. They're yeah. probably more clean cut and nice. They were like biker gangs, but they were like nice gangs that like help old ladies cross the street. And like, then after uh, Nam, then they were just selling meth. Like the episode of Always Sunny where Frank's in a gang, but they just like sing songs or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all old and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go read this chapter and find out what the hell's going on. I feel like it's going to be a funny one. As much as I like the war episodes, I feel like the ones that you don't think are going to be funny end up being funny because you right. don't know what else to talk about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can make fun of these fucking idiots a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. Peace. And welcome back. That was an aggressive one. We are back. Cold War Origins. Uh, first of all, what did you think of the chapter? I thought it got better as it went on. I like the end. Like the last two sections. Okay. More than the first two. Cool. For sure. Um, had no idea that what the Cold War was and what it meant. Oh, really? I thought we talked about it already. It's an arms race. Right. I guess I even forgot that we talked about it. Because oh. when I read it, I was like, oh, it's not called Cold War because they're in Russia fighting and it's cold. Yeah. What I realized was is that this is when it started and then it just lasted all the way through the 80s, I guess. Yeah. And it was also, uh, I told somebody that like after I read the chapter, I was like, man, it was great. Like I was talking to somebody and I was like, yeah, the fucking Cold War. I had I literally thought it was called the Cold War because it was fought in russia and it was cold mm-hmm. and they were like you fucking idiot you didn't know that i go fuck you i was like at least i admit it i go all right asshole what is why do they call chicago the windy city they're like because it's windy i was like no not because you're a fucking idiot <laughs> so yeah there you go all right <laughs> i mean you really think everybody knows what the cult like knows or am i am i really that dumb i mean i know i'm dumb i'd probably do i can even spoil it yeah if you were to the entire U.S. population, I'd, I'd put it at like 50-50. 50-50? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Look, I got no problem being when I'm stupid. When I'm stupid, I'm stupid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, section one, Cold War Origins. In February 1945, the, quote, big three allied leaders, Delano... Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin met in Yalta, um, a Soviet port on the Black Sea, to to discuss all the post-war issues uh, after World War II. Um, they came up with the Yalta Agreement, uh, in which Soviet Union agreed to enter the war against Japan. Uh, yeah, enter the war against Japan. In return, the Soviets received some territories in Asia. Yeah, and that was the easy part of the negotiations or right. agreements. Um, the other part of this was how they were going to kind of help fix Eastern Europe and what they should do in that area. Um, mm-hmm. Stalin kind of wanted the area as a shield to protect them from the West, like from Germany and stuff. Um, so the Allies finally agreed to divide Germany into four zones with each zone run by an Allied power. Um, Stalin agreed to free elections in Soviet-occupied Eastern Europe and to help in planning a new international organization. Um, Roosevelt and Churchill were encouraged uh, about a peaceful post-war world, 
but their hopes, however, went unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of talked about this in the last chapter. President Roosevelt died suddenly on April 12th, 1945, and Vice President Harry S. Truman succeeded him. And Truman was just like, whoa. Whoa, <laughs> I like, actually got to be a president now? Yeah. Damn, I didn't, I mean, when I signed up to do this, I didn't think that I would have to actually be the president. All my life, I was number two. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a good thing. Second string quarterback. I don't want to be the president. I want to be vice president. Right, yeah. Can, ain't no, nobody else can do this? Yeah. All right. All right, all right, fine. Yeah, he said, uh, when they told me of Roosevelt's death, I felt like the moon, the stars, and all the planets had fallen on me. Not exactly probably the best quote to start off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. It's like, what? It's like, congratulations. We have this terrible but happy thing to tell you, Mr. President. Uh, Roosevelt has died. Yeah. And you will now, you are now the president of the United States. Oh man, I'm going to fuck this up. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you guys. Wasn't prepared for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been hanging out. Oh, all right. What, what do I do? Seriously. You guys tell me one thing a vice president does and how that makes them qualified <laughs> to be president. Exactly. You don't know. No one knows. <laughs> been shelling peanuts the only the only requirement i've had this entire time was to just like be roosevelt's buddy yeah and agree with whatever he says exactly (laughs) um on june 26th in san francisco 50 nations signed a charter creating the united nations uh they hoped the u.n could settle international disputes and prevent future wars um soviet expansion in europe Now is our time, Boris. This is our time. Everyone is at peace and we will piss them off. (laughs) (laughs) The world needs a new pain in the ass, and I think it should be us. (laughs) We're going to do some redecorating. (laughs) The first thing, curtains. (laughs) Uh, Stalin set up a communist, uh, communist governments and kept Soviet forces in Eastern Europe. So, like, basically, Western Europe and Eastern Europe were sort of butting, or Western Europe and the Soviets were sort of butting heads a little bit about mm-hmm. um, agreeing on how to split up land and how, you know, obviously we're uh, democracy, they're fucking communists. So we just have a lot of different um, views on how things should be handled. So it sort of creates tension. Um, Winston Churchill, um, he, so, yeah, so I was just saying, they split Europe um, into two armed camps. Uh Communist Eastern Europe and Democratic Western Europe. Uh, Winston Churchill um, believed that the division between East and West was permanent. And in 1946, in a speech he made in Fulton, Missouri, uh, he referred to this split as the Iron Curtain um, because it's separating it and you can't get through. Um, He was concerned. He warned that Soviets would eventually try to gain control in other parts of the world. So, I don't know, just, like, all the... I, I noticed in this there was a lot of, like, what people assumed Russia was going to do versus, like, what Russia was actually going to do. There was a mm-hmm. lot of assumptions being made, it seemed like. And these this is, like, leads into, like, you know, the big scare, the big red scare, mm-hmm. and like, all that type of shit. Right. Um, to halt Soviet expansion, uh, Truman turned to George F. Kennan, an American diplomat, um, he basically was of the mind that, like, there's just no dealing with the Soviets. Like, we cannot 
Right. There's there's no compromising with them. Mm-hmm. Which it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's supposed to be a diplomat. Your whole job as a fucking foreign diplomat is to do that shit. And you're just like, nah, they're not going to. Well, no, I think what he's saying is like all the different countries that make up the Soviet Union wouldn't cooperate with one another. So if the U.S. like kind of placed a firm hand on things, then we could kind of stifle it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because Kennan's policy called uh, containment stated that the United States had to contain or hold back the Soviets using military as well as non-military ways. Right. Um, So in the Truman Doctrine, in March 1947, Truman asked Congress for money to help Greece and Turkey, which became known as the Truman Doctrine, and it provided immediate aid to the Greeks and the Turks. Um, In the long run, the doctrine pledged that the United States would fight the spread of communism worldwide. Basically, the Soviets are trying to expand their rule. Turkey and Greece come under fire, so the U.S. is like, all right, we'll back you because we got to stop these Soviet folks. <laughs> um, and then we have the Marshall Plan in June 1947, George Marshall. Well, the, wait, did you say with the Truman? Yeah. Oh, that they shipped money over there to yep. help Greece. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, in June of 1947, George Marshall, the U.S. Secretary of State, proposed that the U.S. give massive economic aid to Western European countries um, because, you know, after World War II, everything's just fucked. So after communists took over the Eastern European country of Czechoslovakia in 1948, Congress approved the plan. And from 1948 to 1951, the Marshall Plan pumped 13 billion worth of supplies, machinery and food into Western Europe. And basically like that economic recovery of Eastern Europe kind of made them be like, Oh, we don't need communism. Right. Yeah. I just well, whatever. I I don't I don't know if I get this whole idea that like the United States is just taking it upon itself to be this like world aid for everybody. Like Well, they wanna stifle communism because if communism grows to a point then you're just gonna have another world war. But again, that's just you're just assuming that. Like, why? Wh- I don't know. I guess I, mean, I was just so on board with the whole Washington I, I de- mm-hmm. like mindset of just like we got our own fucking problems. Let's worry about our own shit. We're not even a connected to Europe. Right. So even if a few more countries jump onto this Soviet communist thing, like you, they still got to cross a goddamn ocean to get over here. It's like it's not like they're our neighbors. Yeah, but I mean, after then, why even bother fighting in World War Two? Like, if you fight in World War Two and then you're just like, all right, we're done, then you're just leaving like all these tensions and areas that could build into like something even worse. You kind of have to step in at that point. Otherwise, what the fuck did you step in for in the first place? I guess I just I don't know. It's just the the the, the juxtaposition of we're everything like our country's got a lot of fucking problems and we're like worrying about these other i don't know it was just bothering me this entire chapter but whatever um crisis in berlin the allied leaders at yalta divided germany into four occupation zones um the soviet union controlled the eastern part of the country while u.s britain and france had the other um the other part, the western part of the country. The German capital of Berlin, located deep within the Soviet-controlled uh, East Germany, um, yeah, 
uh, East Germany also was divided among the four nations. Um, basically, the those three countries, Truman uh, believed that reuniting Germany was essential uh, for its recovery. Stalin, however, um, feared that a reunited Germany would once again pose uh, a threat to the Soviet Union. Like, if we let them get back together, there's going to be another Adolf. And right. I fucking hate him so much. Yeah. Um, so his, his whole idea was like, we're going to keep Soviet, like, we're going to make our our lifestyle the dominant one. Mm-hmm. And we're never, we're going to just keep Germany down. Right. Um, the Berlin Blockade. On June 7th, 1948, the United States, Britain, and France stated their plan to unite their, uh, to unite their zones to form a new West Germany Republic. Um, the Ber- and then... This so, would include Berlin, which right. had Soviet influence as well. Right. And so, obviously, Stalin is like, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not happening. Not today, assholes. Nope. Nope. Um, So, he creates this this blockade. Um, Shuts down all the highways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On June 24th, 1948, uh, Soviet troops rushed into position around the edge of West Berlin. And basically, all this happened, like, overnight. Uh, according to the book, like they just came in and just did it. And before like anybody could react. So West Berlin's 2.2 million citizens were cut off from needed supplies. Um, and then the Soviets hoped that this blockade would just force the other three countries to reconsider their plan of reuniting everything. And I just wrote here, like Russia loves 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 love cutting off supplies to places that's like their <laughs> mo right yeah we may not do well in everything and we've got a lot of problems but i got to say guys we are so fucking good at cutting supplies off to people like countries should hire us to do this <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um so- nobody can shut down the cd like us <laughs> we are the best we are so good at it Blockade high five! Blockade high five, everyone! <laughs> Do it or I'll shoot you, seriously. I will block your home from everything and starve you out to death. Do it or your family will eat snow for months. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Berlin Airlift. Believing that the Soviets wanted the west out of the city, um, President Truman made U.S. intentions clear that they would stay in Berlin, period. However, he didn't want to risk war by using military force to end the blockade, so instead... He just he, shipped hot dogs over yeah, there, he day just, and night. He just flew feud fuel and other supplies into West Berlin. Um, and the airlift continued day and night for, for more than 10 months. months. And so in May of 1949, Stalin finally ended the blockade, realizing that the West was still intent on uniting their zones. What it doesn't say in the book is that for those 10 months, he was trying to think of a way to blockade the sky. How do I blockade <laughs> the sky? I got this idea. We're going to make a huge dome over the city. But Stalin, it's cool. We do not have the resources or the technology. Shoot, take him away and shoot him in the head. Bring me another scientist to talk about this roof. More eggheads. <laughs> Bring me more smarts. He just calls them smarts. Um, By the end of 1949, there were two German states. Federal Republic of Germany, which is West Germany, and the German Democratic Republic of East Germany, so, and the, the West Germany was, you know, um, 
more of like a it, 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 it was sided with the United States and the other side was a communist state. So you had this split down the middle of like communist Germany and I'm assuming, I don't think it says, but essentially uh, a democracy yeah. sort of thing. So this kind of back and forth um, showed that the U.S. and the Soviet Union were locked in a cold war, which is a war in which um, two enemies don't actually fight each other. They just build up uh, their military forces and intimidate each other. I wanted to call it the flexing war because it's like we're flexing our muscles, but it, it shows the Cold War, so yeah. I don't know, whatever. Pretty Such much. Such a stupid-ass name for a, yeah. for a war. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so the U.S. and other Western democracies agreed that military cooperation was the best way to contain the Soviets. And in 1949, the U.S., Canada, and 10 Western European nations formed the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And member states agreed to aid any member that was attacked. Six years later, West Germany was allowed to form an army and join NATO. In response, the Soviets in 1955 set up a military alliance, the Warsaw Pact, with the communist governments of Eastern Europe. Uh, the formation of NATO and the Warsaw Pact divided Europe into two armed camps. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, the United States rearms. World War II, some, um, after World War II, uh, Truman and his foreign policy advisors, they, they started the National Security Council. Uh, and they argued that America could not rely on other nations to contain the Soviets. Just imagine them being like, Mr. President, I mean, seriously, we're going to rely on Canada? The only idea they've had so far is to poison a bunch of maple syrup and <laughs> ship it over to them. <laughs> That's all they got. The Russians are going to look at that syrup. They're not even going to know what the fuck they to do with it. They don't even like maple syrup. Yes. Mr. President. <laughs> what, do you think they, what do you think they're going to... And then we're just going to waste all the maple syrup. There's going to be a maple syrup crisis. And then this whole country is going to go to ruin when people are trying to eat pancakes with, with just butter and sugar. Just still delicious. <laughs> Sprinkle a little cinnamon on there. Canada just calls Truman and is like, hey, uh... We uh we got all the, the poisoned <laughs> maple syrup pretty. Yeah, uh, we just me, we could get we're ready to ship it out, you know. So we got all the poison uh, into the one factory, and and we also brought all the maple syrup into the factory. You just let us know, and uh, we'll we'll put it together. I'm telling you, this is let us know. This is gonna work. Have eh? a great day. <laughs> Truman's just like, nah, my guy said you're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, unlike supporters of the containment policy, these, NS, these NSC advisors believe the United States needed to take a more active stand against communists everywhere, not just in strategic locations. Um, and then in 1950, the NSC released a report known as the NSC-68, which said that the United States must actively, quote, foster the seeds of destruction within the Soviet Union and fight communist movements wherever they arose. Um, and so basically the United States is just like forever is like, not only are we living free and these are all the other things we live by, we've now added on the right. our moral to our moral compass of we will end communism right. no matter where Yeah, it when is. we started this chapter, I forgot to mention that this chapter could have easily just been called the beginning of the end. Right. Because yeah. just replace communism with terrorism. Right. And pretty much everything else in this chapter is just still going on yep. today. If so. we don't agree with the way something should be done, we're going to come in. We're going to vow we're <laughs> to destruct them. Vow. Total vow. destruction vow. America. Of death. America. 
do you do you plan do you vow to hold and cherish and love all the morals and things that you stand by hot dogs and bombing other people to the point of total destruction of any other nation that disagrees and ending communism we do we do we most definitely do (laughs) i don't even know who america would be getting married to in this situation england i guess Really, the only ones that we're always on the same side with. England, do you vow to continue to take money from the United States and to be use our them little brother? Shield, <laughs> even though you are technically our father. Right. Yeah. We do. <laughs> yes, mom. Does anyone here have anything to say about this this beautiful moment of matrimony? Just rushes in the back, like I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is not happening, <laughs> mom. <laughs> I like to say, man, I've been to Jamaica one time. It's beautiful. Great. The lions are amazing. Not enough snow. <laughs> Could have used some more snow, but, uh, you know. There was none. I guess the lions don't like the snow. <laughs> uh, so as the Cold War deepened, many nations experienced dramatic change. Um, a lot of different areas were breaking free from colonial rule and made independent. So the Philippines gained independence from the U.S. in 1946. Um, however, for years afterward, they struggled with poverty, government corruption, and civil war. So good job, <laughs> Philippines. In the late 1940s, the South Asian countries of India, Pakistan, and Burma won freedom from British rule. Uh, during the 1950s and 1960s, more than 25 African nations gained independence from European powers. That didn't turn out too well for them either. That's, this is what I mean. It's such a double-edged sword because America puts this veil over everything like, oh, we're going in to help them and all this stuff. But meanwhile, there's all these countries that are like, hey, America, leave us alone. We want to live our lives the way we want to live our fucking lives. Right. Well, no, it's not that they don't want our help. They don't want our control. There's well, a difference. Whatever. Fine. There's yeah, a difference. We don't yeah. want you to control us, but it's just like that's what we're doing. We're doing the same thing that Russia's doing. Right. Are we not? Yes, I don't know. It just it's it's just like typical America bullshit. It's mm-hmm. going on then, it's going on now. It's like we say one thing. It's it don't. It just seems like the the powers that be have have everybody fucking brainwashed. Right. Yeah. Like the average American is just like I, I don't know. They just believe whatever they're told, and it's just weird. It it like creeps me out, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is like the time in America where I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm fully on board. The like, tide is turning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so moving on. So, yeah, Africa and then uh, the Middle East. Um, Jews and Arabs both uh, claimed Palestine. Uh, this was an area that had British control. Um, in 1947, the United States divided Palestine or United Nations divided Palestine into independent Jewish and Arab states. Uh, you know it's Arab, right? Or Arab, sorry. <laughs> Arab. Is that like the racist way you say it? Arabs. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, Jewish and and Arab states. Uh, After declaring independence. Oh, yeah. So, and then the Jews accepted this uh, plan, but the Arabs did not. Um, So, after declaring independence, the Jewish state of Israel was attacked by uh, uh, Arab countries in the first six, uh, the first of uh, six major wars between the. Arabs and the Jews. And then we have communism in China. Uh, 1914, communist forces under Mao Zedong uh, 
defeated armies led by China's leader, Tran, Trang. <laughs> Trang Kishik. Trang Kishik. <laughs> and I pronounced that right, too. Um, yeah, uh, Zedong formed a new communist state, the People's Republic of China. Yep. Chang just ran away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to Taiwan. I'm going away forever. Come on, guys. <laughs> Fuck this place, right, guys? <laughs> and the U.S. recognized that the government of Taiwan was actually the legitimate government of all of China. Yep. Which, um, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with communist ruling mainland China, the Soviet Union had a powerful ally in Asia. Um, it appeared that many people, or too many people, that the entire continent of Asia was in danger of falling to communism. Would that be like the same as if like America was being taken over, and then like a bunch of people went to Hawaii, and they were like, "Hawaii is the new America." Yeah, I mean, basically, <laughs> yeah, r- pretty much. Like, yeah, if some dude just like ran the president out of the country, <laughs> like, and he was just like bunkered in Hawaii, they'd be like, "Well, Hawaii's nice, <laughs> <laughs> right?" Uh, Cold War fears. Uh, the Cold War increased Americans' fears of communist subver- subversion. Um, basically, both people and the government were preparing for what they thought, like, I don't know, people just thought that, like, anything that was wrong with the government or anything that was wrong with society, it was Russia's fault somehow. Mm. They believed that we had fucking spies, that there was, like, people infiltrating the United States. And yeah. so that whole idea of the Red Scare, which we've talked about before, was just, like, very prevalent at this time. Mm-hmm. Um And then in 1947, Truman ordered these investigations um, into the the loyalty of federal employees. Um, And basically, just like it happened in previous chapters, they accused all these people of having ties to Russian governments. They had no proof or evidence of it, but all these people lost their jobs because of it. Yeah. Um, At least they weren't murdered. Right. (laughs) Do you think that there was, like, something else going on that the government or individuals who made this whole, who sort of did this propaganda to make all this stuff happen, do you think that it was they had other reasons why they were doing it? Like, they just used this as a way to, like, oh, Bill, Bill, the secretary of whatever, I don't, the representative of whatever of fucking Texas, I don't like Bill, so I'm going to mm-hmm. accuse him of being a commie and then get him out of there so somebody else takes his place? I think it could have been, like, partly that or partly just to further their own careers like if i don't start pointing fingers someone's going to point the finger at me kind of thing ah okay i see like that and also you know if if the whole country if like the population is kind of on board with this like uh oh the communists are coming and then you're kind of like in politics and you can be the leader of that then you're going to have all those people backing you you know Mm -hmm. so it's going to further your career right fuck everyone else over and then when the dust settles, we'll figure it out then. <laughs> so, that's what it seemed like to me. Bill's not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. Everyone thinks he's a Russian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, during the Red Scare, there were all these investigation committees. Um, a lot of people believe that there was a lot of communist influence in the entertainment industry. Uh, as a result, a lot of screenwriters and film directors known as the Hollywood Ten went to jail for refusing to answer questions about their political beliefs or those of their colleagues. Um, so because of this pressure, a lot of film companies created blacklists 
um, or lists where individuals whose loyalty was suspect that kept them from working in films. Kind of like a weird little note in there, but whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, in 1950, Congress passed the McCarran Act, which required all communist groups to register with the government to provide lists of members. It's just like absolutely absurd. Listen here, commies. Yeah. You better show up to your local government building and register as a communist. Yeah, you better let us know who you are so we can throw you in jail. So we can throw the book at you and electrocute you. We've got a lot of books. So come on down to the local government. (laughs) There will be coffee and desserts after. And what, we're communists? Just like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. I'll go tell the government that I'm a communist. They say if I tell them, then I'll be all right. (laughs) Um, Truman vetoed the act, uh, believing in a free country you punish men for crimes they commit, but never for the opinions they hold. But then Congress overrode his veto. So fuck you, Mr. President. Right. Uh, American spies revealed. Um, Meanwhile, stories of spies uh, griped the country. In 1948, Whitaker Chambers, a magazine editor, told the HUAC. Oh, by the way. In 1947, the United States put this, gr- this, this committee together called the House of Un-American Activities Committee. So that's how hardcore we were about commies. So anyway, told the HUAC that he had spied for the Soviets in the 1930s. He accused Alger Hiss, a former government official, of giving him secret documents to pass on the Soviets. To support his claim, Chambers showed the copies of the secret information that he said came from Hiss. Investigators could not prosecute Hiss for spying because too much time had passed since the events occurred. Uh, He was found guilty, however, um, of perjury under oath, uh, and he was sent to prison. There are a lot of things that I got problems with this. First of all, forget the fact that the... that. They, that this may or may not have happened. Mm-hmm. Why is this guy, Whitaker Chambers, going to... Whitaker Chambers is one of the assholes that fell for, oh, I need to register as a communist? Okay, I'll open my mouth. Like, why would you say anything? Shut the fuck up. You, right. It seems like you got a good job. You're a magazine editor. Maybe he's worried that he's going to get found out. Well, my second part to that is, why did Alger Hiss choose this guy like... You know who I should give all my secret documents to? A magazine editor. <laughs> yeah, I mean... He'll know what to do with them. Like, that would be me being like, I got these secret documents. Let me pull up the yellow pages and call a plumber. I'm going to give them to him. You know <laughs> yeah, I, mean? I don't know. Like, what is that? I don't know. Everyone knows magazine editors are the best at keeping secrets well, and passing on files. I guess he had connections, maybe. I mean, he's admitting to being, like... You know, a communist, so. Maybe he's the only communist in town, Chris. Hi, I'm Whitaker Chambers. I'm here to register as a legal communist. Yeah, like, he probably put up, <laughs> he probably put up, like, um, like posters all over town for, like, a town, like, book club. But then, like, he used some kind of paraphrasing that only another communist would know. And then the only dude who showed up was fucking Whitaker, <laughs> Whitaker Chambers. He's just like, all right, I guess this is what I got. This is my guy. It's just the two of them. Yeah. So many brownies. <laughs> they each went home with a lot of brownies that day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and then the most dramatic spy case involved the atomic bomb, which the Soviets had acquired by 1949. How the fuck did they get our bomb? <laughs> 
Uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, a New York couple who were Communist Party members, were accused of passing secrets about the atomic bombs to the Soviet Union. Uh, they denied the charges but were sentenced to death for spying. A I lot see. of people believe that they were not spies, but victims caught up in the Red Scare. But that didn't matter, and they were executed in June of 1953. Yep. I loved, I just imagine them, like, on, they're about to get killed or put the sentence to death. And, mm-hmm. like, they were just like, I, do you have any last words? Like, I swear to God, this was a joke. We, it was a, we heard some guy. Me and was, Ethel would not hurt a fly. I would never hurt a fly. I swear to God. I just, I heard that they were having a communist meeting. I thought, I said to Ethel, wouldn't it be funny if we go down there and say they were communists? Wouldn't it they, be nice to, to have friends? Yeah, they had a, they had a mailing list. So we put our names on a mailing list. I swear to God, I just thought it was a joke. <laughs> I did not want to do this, and now you're putting me to death. Um, and then this fucking cunt. Uh, from this 19... guy is such a fucking asshole. From 1950 to 1944, the hunt for communists was led by Republican Senator Joseph McCarthy of Wisconsin. Uh. He claimed that a vast communist network existed within the government. Uh, he called a bunch of government employees to defend themselves before his committee, like his own committee that he just fucking started. Like, yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> You're either with me or I'm going to sentence you to death. Yeah. His unfounded charges ruined the careers of many innocent Americans. The word McCarthyism emerged to describe the use of unproven charges to discredit people. Um, Millions of Americans, though, believed McCarthy. As a result, even the most powerful government officials hesitated to oppose him. In 1954, McCarthy made claims that communists had infiltrated the U.S. Army. Oh, my God. Um, he, He had these televised hearings where he would just throw these wild accusations at highly respected army officials. Basically, everyone that helped win World War II. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's a commie. Yeah. <laughs> Something changed when he when he came back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, toward the end of hearings, Joseph Welch, an attorney for the army, said to McCarthy, until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. Have you left no sense of decency? Now many Americans came to view McCarthy as a cruel bully who had little basis for your accusations. Duh. Congress also turned against McCarthy. This was what I thought was the weirdest. In December 1954, the Senate voted to censure or formally criticize him for conduct unbecoming of a senator. That's all that happened. They criti- they, they formally criticized him. Yeah. We are formally... like He's like... <laughs> you're st- a bad guy. Yeah. You're a jerk. And we are mad at you. The Rosenbergs are dead. Tons of Americans have lost their lives. We've embarrassed our veterans. That's not cool. Tisk, 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 McCarthy. There's coffee and, and brownies in the back if you'd like some on your way out. And he's, sit, he's <laughs> sitting there at the podium like they're all around him judging. So, <laughs> yeah, Wait, okay. so you're not putting me to jail? Yeah, you're not doing no? shit. All right, you bunch of fucking commies. Yeah, good I'm out of yeah, here. Yeah, good thing. Otherwise, I think you, you'd show that you're communist. <laughs> all, Only see, a communist would put <laughs> me in jail. See? What it see? What really this was was a test. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just testing you. This was a massive test. Aren't I so smart? <laughs> I deserve a raise yeah. <laughs> and a promotion and my own television show. <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, yeah, and then I love how the country is just like, oh, oh yeah, okay, he's a jerk. All right, we get it now. We get it. Can I have my job back? <laughs> Can I work? My kids are starving. <laughs> now that we're not accusing everyone of being a communist, 
I'd like to go back to work now, please. Yeah. <laughs> Are we done? <laughs> Uh, section two, post-war politics, the post-war economy. Um, during the war, the government, uh, price controls kept the cost of consumer goods stable. And then the government lifted these controls. So prices began to climb. Um, and then, you know, prices started inflating and the wages did not. Right. And the wages did not. So the balance of like the amount of money people had and things that they want to fucking buy. It also helped if people stop buying just shit. Mm -hmm. That would also help. But, right. um, so it's like, we're, we're going back into a depression We're we're gearing towards up or heading towards a depression again. Americans saved their money because many consumer goods were unavailable or rationed. Now they were eager for new consumer products and services because all the companies that were originally making stuff switched over to making military products and now they're back to making their other shit again. Um, when employers refused to raise wages, labor strikes broke out, disrupted the economy in 1946. Um, a miners strike uh, raised fears about fewer coal supplies. Um, there was also a strike by the railroad workers that led to a shutdown of the nation's railroads. Yeah, so uh, then Truman yeah. in May of 1946 threatened to draft them into the army if they did not return to work. The president insisted he had the right to take such steps to keep vital industries operating. You got two... Uh, no, like, like, your sentiment is in the right place, but to just be like, I have the right to, to make you in the army, just what? Like... Well, it's weird, too, because you're supposed to want to make the service something that you, like, want Americans to do. Like, right, don't you yeah. want... Now it's a punishment. Right. Now yeah. you gotta, like, here's your choices. You can either keep building tracks, or you can either get shot at. Have you heard of what's going on in Korea? <laughs> <laughs> There's a boil. Yeah. Things are coming to a boil. I don't think you want to be in the army right now, because it's not looking too good. It's gonna suck. It's really hot there. <laughs> fucking mosquitoes the size of your head <laughs> so uh, i'd go back into that cave and start digging yeah. some coal so you know you probably want to produce some coal yeah <laughs> yeah so president truman finally forced striking miners back to work he had this by taking the government take over mines which yep. happened some time ago i don't remember right. when so just should have just done that to begin with yeah um he also pressured railroad workers to return to work yep um Republicans are back. September 1945. Guess who's back in the motherfucking house? Yeah. <laughs> Donkeys up in this motherfucking house. Hey, what's up? We're back on <laughs> Radical Radio. You ready for this new track? It's called The Republicans Are Back. Turns out I'm not dead. Right there. I've been, around, I've been alive this whole time. Just living in this radio booth. Just waiting for my moment. <laughs> and it's here, America. Now let's time to get radical. Now let's play this track. <laughs> Uh, September 1945, President Truman presented a plan of domestic reforms aimed at solving some of the nation's economic problems. This was called the Fair Deal. Look, guys, I got a deal for you. It's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily bad, but it is fair. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Right down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wanted to use federal money to create jobs build new public housing, and create a system of national health insurance. Um, 
the Republicans and Southern Democrats, however, did not agree with all this stuff. Uh, so the measures failed uh, to pass in Congress. This, Congress fucking hated Truman for some reason. Like, what did he do to piss everybody off so bad? Well, it's also possible. So Truman was a Democrat. The Republicans it says right here, Republicans control Congress. So that's kind of like the whole thing with like, it doesn't really matter who our president is. It's like who controls everything else. Right. Who has the majority vote. Right. Because, yeah, they just veto everything. Everything. He vetoes it. And then they're just like overruled. Yeah. <laughs> who the fuck are you? Yeah. I mean, you're the president, but who, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, it don't matter. Truthfully, nothing. We hate you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Republicans <laughs> like, <laughs> like when they all meet together in like the big, you know, congressional hall or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> he's like just like outside, like looking in, and then they just like close the doors. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So we're not going to do this, right? <laughs> Or they're like in the middle of the it's meeting, got like a glass to the fucking wall. <laughs> they're in the meeting of doing of, of like having this big like thing where they're like tossing around ideas, and he comes walking in, and they just all get quiet. Yeah, yeah. It's like so. Hey guys, what you talking about? Oh, you know, uh, Bill got this new lawnmower, yeah. and uh, nothing right now. That's about it. Pretty slow in Congress. Could you leave so we can talk about you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how un, how awkward do we have to make this silence <laughs> before you get the mess, <laughs> Mr. President? I, now I wish we just made true and be like, ah, gee whiz, guys, can I please play? <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, got like his armed bodyguards are just like, Mr. President, I think we should leave. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, guy doesn't get it. <laughs> Uh, many Americans blame Truman and the Democrats for the nation's problems and call for change. First it was the Russians, now it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, basically, the Republicans like jumped all over this, and in the elections in 1946, they used uh, slogans like, quote, had enough, uh, <laughs> helped the Republican Party win control of both houses of Congress. Um, the new Republican Congress set out to limit government spending, control labor unions, and reverse the new uh, deal policies. Um, they especially favored big business and wanted to limit the power of labor unions. Yep. In the spring of 1947, Republican legislators introduced a measure that became known as the Taft-Hartley Act. Uh, this measure limited the actions workers could take against their employees. It outlawed the closed shop or the practice of forcing business owners to hire only union members. It also allowed the government to temporarily stop any strike that endangered public health or safety, um, which was intended to prevent any future strikes like those of the miners and the railroad workers the year before. Yep. Um, labor unions criticized it, obviously, if they felt like they were tearing down all the things that they had fought for. Mm-hmm. Um, Truman, realizing that the Democrats needed the support of labor, vetoed the act. And then, again, the Republican-controlled Congress overrode Truman's veto. Yeah, it's fucking... It's, it, that's what's so... Is that type of shit going on today where it's just like the Congress is so heavily one way and the president just cannot get anything done? I don't know if it's like that heavily enforced, but there's like a lot of things that haven't gone through. Because I know he's wanted to pass a lot of different um, gun laws that have not gone through. Right. So, like, every time there's a shooting, he's just like, what would you guys want from me? Right. I tried. 
several times. Yeah. (laughs) Don't, like, this isn't on me. This blood is not on my hands. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Um, Where are we at? Uh, Government uh, reorganization. In... 1947, Congress passed the uh, National Security Act. It unified the armed services under the Department of Defense. Um, The act also set up permanent joint chiefs of staff made up of heads of each armed force uh, to coordinate a military policy. Um, A National Security Council located within the White House would advise the president on foreign and military matters. the act also set up another institution, the CIA. The CIA aids America. <laughs> this is such bullshit. Uh, aids American foreign policy by collecting information about what is going on in other countries, evaluating it, and passing it on to the president and other foreign policy decision makers. And then Truman, like a lot of Americans, like we probably still are today, and are we're skeptical of it being thinking like, oh, well, the CIA is going to be used against us on on home turf. And Truman promises that the new agency would operate in foreign land um, and would not bring police state methods into the American society. It's just like, how gullible are people? They're just like, I swear to God, guys, it w- I won't, it won't, it's not going to be like this, right? I promise. Yeah. And America's just like, all right. Probably we, not much they could do about it. Well, everything else is being vetoed and shut down by the Congress. The Congress can't fucking shut that down if they don't, if they. But you're saying the people. Well, yeah, okay, I guess. All right. Um, the election of 1948. Basically, it seemed like Truman had no shot in winning this uh, election, and he couldn't get any of his reforms or anything passed. Um, At the Democratic National Convention, two groups left, and then, oh yeah, so then, and then even within the Democrats, there was a split. Two groups left the party altogether. Um, Reacting angrily to Truman's support of civil rights, a group of Southern Democrats formed the state's rights Democratic Party, or the Dixiecrats. Um, and nominated South Carolina's governor, Strom Thurmond. I love that name. Um, Woo, Strom! We love Strom. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make our own band. I call him Bowley. You get it, Strom Bowley? It's my favorite nickname for him. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's good. It's a good name. I hate Strom Bowley, but I thought the name was pretty clever. (laughs) Um... Democrats left from the progress, uh, and then at the same time, this other group created the Progressive Party with Henry Wallace as their nominee. Um, they opposed the foreign policy and called for closer American-Soviet ties. So basically, the South just wants—they want Russia and slavery to come back, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, I feel like the progressives are like, you know, I've been thinking about it. If we just teamed up with Russia take over the whole world. Yeah. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, Truman. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Fucking Dewey. Dewey. Um, with the Democrats badly divided, it looked as though Governor Thomas Dewey of New York, the Republican nominee, would surely win the election. One pollster remarked, Mr. Dewey is still so clearly ahead that we might as well just get ready to listen to his inaugural. 
It's like, just fuck voting. Yeah. This guy's in. Why bother? Yeah. Um, it's a lock. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then Truman, despite everyone being like, there's no way this guy's got it. Truman's like, I believe in myself and I'm going to do it. Right. So he fucking travels around for more than 21,000 miles by train on a, quote, whistle stop tour of the country and gave some 300 speeches along the way. Um, and then he kept attacking the Congress and was like, that do nothing good for nothing worse, Congress, uh, for re- for rejecting his fair deal. Um, and then, I mean, it got even to the point where the Chicago Daily Tribune newspaper issued a special edition announcing Dewey defeats Truman. And this was before the election polls were even out. Like, Yeah. Um, and the then, night of the election before yeah. any of the votes had been counted. Right. Um, and then... Is that fucking Dewey holding the newspaper up up top being like, oh, I did it. I think it is. It must be. Man, I bet you he feels like a real fucking idiot. Like a fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. Um, Burn all those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, basically, everybody was shocked when Truman fucking won. He beat out Dewey and... It's a narrow victory based largely on support from workers, African-Americans, and farmers. Yep. True Democrat. Yep. Um, A fair deal for Americans. I promise you a fair deal. Not a good deal. Not a bad deal. Fair. Fair. I I don't even know if I could call it honest. And that's (laughs) honesty. Um, I'm being honest about lying to you. It's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when he won, he was like, wow, Americans, they, they want this. They want me. They want my fair deal. I mean, at least the black and poor people want me, but. Yeah. So he reintroduced his fair deal legislation. Congress is like, you know we're not passing any of this shit again, right? Right, yeah. So keep doing it. We still hate you. Right. Now leave. Um, some of the reforms passed but his plan lacked broad support and Congress defeated most of the measures Um, it did pass laws to raise the minimum wage expand social security benefits for senior citizens and provide funds for housing for low income families yep Uh, and then in 1948 Truman called for an end to discrimination based on race religion and ethnic origins um, he tried to persuade Congress to protect the voting rights of African Americans, abolish the poll tax, uh, and make lynching a federal crime. Um, again, Congress just did not pass any of this stuff. Um, he also wanted them to end job discrimination against African Americans and order the armed forces to desegregate, um, which, you know, basically any race of a person there's no white platoon and black platoon mm-hmm. um he also posed uh a domestic agenda in 1949 he proclaimed that uh quote every segment of our population and every individual has a right to um expect from our government a fair a fair deal um he asked for the clearance of slums, government-backed medical insurance, higher minimum wages, and more federal money for the public schools. Um, most of this shit did not happen. Um, but he, even though a lot of this stuff didn't happen, like other things that have happened in government past, it was a big 
mark for people to see like a president is trying to like do these things for yeah the public yeah it's it's kind of like you have a really 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 elaborate domino setup going on he just knocked over the first one but it's like five thousand dominoes so right (laughs) it doesn't really seem that cool until you get to the end right (laughs) that's that was the fair deal yeah the first domino deal. Yeah, all the all of Congress is like, this guy is fucking crazy. He is just trying to throw a, a stick into the spokes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Section 3, the Korean War. At the end of World War II, the Americans and the Soviets divided the East Asian country of Korea. At the 38th parallel of latitude, the communists set up a government in North Korea, and an American-backed government took over South Korea. Yep. So and- that's how that happened. In case you're wondering. Yeah. Not, yeah, they, they, they kind of get through this war pretty quick. quick. It doesn't sound yeah. very uh, eventful. Yeah, on June 25th, 1950, North Korean troops invaded South Korea in order to take over the country. Uh, poorly armed, the South Koreans were no match for the North. Uh, by September, the communist forces gained control over much of South Korea, including, is it Seoul or Seoul? I think it's Seoul, Seoul right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the capital city, only a small area in the southeast around the port city of Pusan. 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 <laughs> was still held by the South Korean army. Um, President Truman reacted quickly to the Korean invasion, which he believed was supported by the Soviet Union. Without even asking Congress to declare war, Truman ordered the use of limited American air and armed forces in Korea, saying, Korea is the Greece of the Far East. <laughs> If we are tough enough now, if we stand up to them like we did in Greece three years ago, they won't take any next steps. Yeah. The Koreans like, we're not fucking Greece. <laughs> <laughs> fucking kidding me? Who are you calling Greek, ass her? Yeah. Uh, Truman persuaded the United Nations to send troops. Uh, most of the troops were American and under the command of uh, General Douglas MacArthur. Uh, he was a badass uh, war hero of in WW2. Um, they, him and his troops uh, made a daring landing in the middle of the Korea Peninsula near the port of Ichinon. Um, they took the strategic city and moved north and pushed the North Koreans back across the 38th parallel. Um, the South Korea was now under uh, UN control or UN forces. Um, and then, encouraged by his success, General MacArthur urged President Truman. He's basically like, Gotta "Wipe these like, motherfuckers yeah, out!" Yeah, like we just pushed them back real fucking easy. So now I think <laughs> we should just keep pushing them back until they're all dead. Mr. President, I am not even sweating, and it's hot as hell here. <laughs> That's literally how little I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're a. This bunch is going to be a breeze. They're a bunch of mouth-breathing idiots. Yeah. Yeah, he assured them that neither China nor the Soviet Union would enter the war, and he pledged that he would have the troops. We'll be home by Christmas. Home by Christmas, or I guess if you're a Jew, Hanukkah, or some bullshit. I don't know. Whatever. Sounds like communist bullshit to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, MacArthur moved into North Korea in advance. Uh, so, yeah, he got his orders to do it. He moved... <laughs> Sorry, I almost what? wonder if, like, do you think those were his exact words, or did he have, like, this, like, crazy, like, euphemism, like, before Santa Claus even gets his fat ass down the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to the president. It's like, oh, 
Oh, MacArthur, you're such a such an asshole. Who? <laughs> <laughs> it's Santa Claus. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know the fat guy. You know the fat motherfucker who gives out toys. Yeah, we'll be there before he gets eat one fucking cookie. <laughs> By the time he gets up there to feed his dumbass deer carrots or whatever the hell they eat, whatever my kids leave out for them. <laughs> Throw that shit out and I, I'll leave them chewing tobacco and whiskey. I'll be back. Will will have destroyed North Korea. I'll be back to shoot all those reindeer in the head for being <laughs> on my roof. <laughs> <laughs> it's my property. <laughs> uh, it's a thankless job. <laughs> Uh, MacArthur moved into North Korea and advanced toward the Chinese border. Um, the Chinese communists got pissed off. Chinese troops crossed the border and drove the UN forces back to South whoa, whoa, Korea. Whoa, 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 guy. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All right, we got the North Korea frame, but back the fuck up. <laughs> uh, the communists held Seoul, South Korea's capital. Uh, yeah, within weeks, communists held Seoul, the South Korea's capital. Um, and then, now this is where MacArthur and Truman start butting heads. Um, January 1951, uh... The war had become basically a stalemate. Right. So, we're basically back to North Korea and South Korea, and nothing's really going on. Right, and they're still on either sides of their... They're just, like, at this point, they're just, like, firing at each other from across that 38th parallel line. They're not even doing anything. Yeah. Um, Everyone else is just barbecuing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck they do there. Hey, Jim, who wants a hot dog? I got to finish these up because it's my shift to start shooting over the line. Um, Um, Yeah, the stalemate lasted for almost two years. And as the stalemate continued, Truman thought about negotiating an end to the fighting. And then MacArthur wanted to drop atomic bombs on fucking China. (laughs) (laughs) We got to bomb these godless motherfuckers. Let's just get it over with. Get another goddamn bomb in there. I know we got him. I was there. I saw him. <laughs> Truman's just like, everything, anytime there's a problem, MacArthur's just like, atomic bomb him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. President, if you want to know my opinion, and I know you do, <laughs> say we bomb him. <laughs> uh, but obviously, that's not the right thing to do, and Truman felt that it was going to lead to another world war. So MacArthur, um, you know, is like all stubborn and pissed. Um, and he started complaining publicly. You know, he was like, we must win. There, mu- there is no substitute for victory. Um, on April 11, 1951. There is no second place in war. <laughs> second place means you lose. Or pussy. <laughs> There's no second place in war or pussy. And if you come in second place. You either place, win or, or you, get, and you get the pussy. You either get pussy or you become a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Which one will it be, Mr. President? <laughs> uh, the, on April 11, 1951, President Truman relieved General MacArthur of his command in Korea. Um, he decides the only action he could take and, <laughs> and still be President of the United States. Uh, he wrote, um, if, I'm allowed, um, if I'm allowed him to... De- if I allowed him to defy the civil authorities in this matter, I myself would be violating my oath to uphold and defend the con- the Constitution. You really backed me into a corner here, MacArthur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I gave you way too many. Dude, guns. if you just would have calmed down, yeah, like, we don't have to do this. <laughs> trust me, we we resolved this thing. What do you think? We're not gonna have another war in like a year? You're, you're my guy. All yeah. right, just calm down. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like sitting there pouting, like I want to drop a fucking bomb. <laughs> Basically, MacArthur comes back and is just being a little crybaby and is like, you know, going to Congress and, and going to all these, uh, you know, and people were, people loved MacArthur. So, like, he comes back and he says shit like, uh, MacArthur delivered a farewell speech before Congress. Old soldiers never die. They just fight away. Congress is Which like, is worse than death. Yep. <laughs> I'd rather die under the weight of a thousand atomic bombs yeah. than just to retire. Just drop me over, China. I'll explode it myself. <laughs> they said that, and they just put a gun in his mouth <laughs> and blew his fucking brains out. Congress is like, man, we we hate Truman even more now. It's just like, oh, and Congress is like, oh, I guess they do die. It's yeah. <laughs> a weird thing to say before you kill yourself. So right, wait, guys? So, am so I he, not getting the quote? So are he, is he dead right now? Yeah. Because I don't see him fading anywhere. He's still laying there. He's not an actor. <laughs> that blood looks real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ending the conflict. The two, sol- the two sides in Korea War began uh, talks in July 1951. A ceasefire agreement uh, ending the fight was finally signed on July 1953. Um, and then Dwight D. Eisenhower, later a later president, um, oh, it was signed with him during his presidency. Um, it's yep. more than thirty six thousand Americans died, and under yeah. hundred three thousand were wounded, and nearly two million Koreans and Chinese were killed. Yep, I love all the numbers during any war. It's like America's numbers are so much lower than the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, by fighting in Korea, the U.S. showed the Soviets that it was willing to use force if necessary to block the spread of communism. Um, but at the same time, the lack of a clear victory led to uncertainty at home about America's foreign policy. I, you know what's so funny is I thought about this when I was reading, the, was reading this chapter and I thought about it just now. I feel like Korea now is communist. North Korea is still communist, right? Right. It's like it almost seems like it's, communism is like a big front. But then, like, behind closed doors, they don't really know what they're doing, and it's really not that scary or tough. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Don't they kind of, like, I feel like, you know, the vibe I get off, like, Russia and Stalin and, like, even North Korea now, it's kind of like, ooh, you're big and scary. But it's just like, you guys don't really have anything. You're, like, completely cut off from the world. Communism like, is just, no, like... you have no, like, sense of... It's, like, insane narcissism coupled with the fact that you just, you have to control everything. Right. Like, I feel like the whole North Korean communist thing in particular is, like, he just wants, like, all the good shit for himself. Right. You know? Like, he gets all the fruit roll-ups. Right. And everyone else is just bored. Yeah. Bored and poor. But don't, don't show it. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and that's, and that's so funny, too, because you, how does somebody that's not in any sort of authoritative position want to be a communist? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, once it's communist, though, like, what can you do besides escape? 
not going to change anything from the inside. But it sounds like there was Americans that were communists, but they're probably like the same way that like people now are like all political and like, well, we should do it this way. It's like, yeah, well, you don't really know shit, do you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm like, don't, I feel no threat or scare or anything. I kind of like, isn't feeling pity for somebody the worst thing you can do. And I always feel bad for communists. I'm just like, you little, you sucker. (laughs) (laughs) You dummy. You dumbass. Wait, is Russia now communist? What's what's the deal with Vladimir Putin? I don't know, that's a good question. Right? Because it just every fucking country that's communist is just like so poor. I mean, it's definitely not a democracy. No. Could be socialist. I don't know. Whatever. If any communists listen out there, fuck you guys. You're a bunch of pussies. Come nu- get at me. Nuke me. Yeah, you can't do shit because none of you can but, even listen to podcasts. But but still listen to the podcast. But still listen to the podcast. Please. But you guys are also, so dumb. Also, rating reviews on iTunes. <laughs> We can take it. Also, you guys are morons. <laughs> um, so, yeah, now we're going to talk about the Eisenhower years. In November 1952, Americans elected Dwight D. Eisenhower as president in a landslide victory. Yep. He's the first Republican to win the White House since 1928. Um, he was going up against Illinois Governor Adlai E. Stevenson. People yep. were just like, that's a weird name. We don't like you. No, thanks. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, he dominated. Yeah, he just crushed it. Uh, he was born in Texas and raised in rural Kansas. He was a country boy, a farmer boy. Um, Eisenhower rose steadily through the Army to become a supreme commander of the Allied forces in Europe during World War II. Uh, people referred to him as, as Ike, and people trusted him. Uh, he, put in, he brought an end to the Korean War. Um, uh, people said early and an honorable end is what they said about him. Uh, yep. He avoided ambitious new government programs, but resisted the pressure to end popular older ones, yeah. and sometimes even expanded them. Uh, as he once told reporters, I feel pretty good when I'm attacked from both sides. It makes me more certain I'm on the right track. Right. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah? You think that makes sense? Well, because... because if- so it's a, you mean because it's a balance? Right. Okay. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? At first, I was just like, no one likes you, dude. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I guess it makes more sense. Because you can't please everybody. Right, yeah. Yeah, you can't please everybody. So if you're you're sticking to your guns on doing stuff, no matter... It's it's almost like he's just recognizing that you're not going to make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. So you got to do what makes most people happy and just know that you're going to get bitched at from both sides either way. Okay. At first, I thought he was like, feel pretty good that I've united the nation against me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, we might not agree. One thing we can all agree on, we're all pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you guys all hate me. <laughs> that was me. I did that. Think about that, guys. Unity and hatred. <laughs> <laughs> um, President Eisenhower want to make the federal government smaller rather than bigger. Uh, he backed free enterprise, shaped some financial powers to the states, and cut federal spending. Uh, when he completed his second term in 61, uh, the federal budget had a surplus of $300 million. Yeah, but then you notice that they don't go on to say what that money was used for. Oh. Like, it would have been great if... You think that was the communists? 
Yeah, I don't know. That was, that was their A bomb. <laughs> yes. It's like a ball. Yeah, it's way like a to go. Ball. Sweet bomb, you fucking idiots. <laughs> you don't got shit. Um uh he had a great he did great domestic programs too. Um he Highways. Yeah, you can thank him for yeah. all those delicious highways. We call him Father Highway. Yeah. <laughs> In 1956. I often think of Ike while driving down the I-95. <laughs> Wind blowing in my hair. They should have called them like Ikeways or something. Yeah. 95, the Ikeway. Uh, well, maybe I-95 stands Ike for 95. Ike 95. Yeah. <laughs> we should start saying that. Like if people ask you, it'd be like, well, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, how'd you, so what'd you do, you know, get a bus and you take I-95? Yeah, I took I- Ike-95. Yeah, you go down Ike-95 all the way, you can take that all the way down to Florida if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Ike was smart. What can I say? <laughs> Wait, I thought that meant interstate. Nah, nah, it means Ike. Idiot. You're a fucking moron. Father Highway, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. The infamous. Uh, <laughs> in 1956, Congress passed the Federal Highway Act. Uh, they built 40, more than 40,000 miles of highways that tied the nation together. Like why put kilometers in there? Yeah, we're Americans. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, this so is America, weird. baby. Um, the, this helped the economy with automobile industry, the oil industry, um, and improving military mobility uh, in case of an attack. Um, United States-Soviet rivalry. Yeah, during the 1950s, the U.S. and Soviet Union engaged in a nuclear arms race. Both sides yeah. built more and more nuclear or atomic warheads and guided missiles that could destroy the other side many times over. Uh, with the threat of nuclear destruction so great, the U.S. and the Soviet Union had to act carefully. A crisis badly managed could lead to all-out war. Yep. Uh, and then in 1956, two crises, 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 um, tested the superpowers. First, trouble arose in the Middle East when Egypt's president, Gamal Abdel Nasser. The Middle uh, East, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, this is the beginning and the end. Yeah, it really is. We've just been repeating this, like, same shit just for the next... But for the rest is, of this book. But, but yeah, and I agree, and I agree. But this is why when you when we had that this, the part where we were talking about communism is like, well, we've just taken it upon ourselves. By the logic you gave me, well, then we should be doing all this stuff. But I don't think that we should be. We should be doing. What? You said earlier that we like you can't just go to a war, end this thing, and then just walk away and just be like, yep, you know. And like, because remember, I asked you about like, why are we taking it upon ourselves to quote unquote end com- uh, communism? We took this vow to like end communism, no matter where. Like, that's not our problem. But then, like you okay. said, but then I thought you had said that like, well, you are doing it to prevent more other world wars and stuff like that to happen. But then by that, but then it's like, but then if you do that, but then you just have to keep doing it, don't you? Like at what point? At what point do you just like be like, okay, we're stopping communism, and then what? Something else is gonna happen, and then you're just like, all right, we stop communism, but we're not gonna stop that. Well, I think it's an unending cycle that you can't. Like, there's no way to stop it. Like, I don't think doing it the other way is gonna change it. Like, if you look at like the Afghanistan war, if we just pulled out after that, I don't think anything would be different now. Or the Iraq war. It's like just this is what the world we live in now, and this is how it's always gonna be. 
you don't think that pulling you don't think that not you don't think that just like like fine wherever we are now we're there but it like moving forward if we were to just like stop getting involved you don't think that that will do anything you think we'll just still it's like we'll still but you can't because we it's like a world you know like you can't do something because it affects your relationships with everything else yeah I don't know. Everyone likes Switzerland, and they're neutral, aren't they? Yeah, but th- I think the thing is that they've been neutral forever. So, so you're saying that we are just like America. We're just we we've gone down this theoretical water slide of like stopping things and being this you know world police, and there's no turning back. Like we've yeah, it's, pretty it's much. like set in stone. Yeah, because that's go back up the slide. That's what people expect us to be now. So. Always oh, bailing everyone out. Fucking hate that. I fucking hate that. It's just the way it goes. Uh, all right, whatever. Um, so like the only way things could change if is if we just like completely flip sides. I think. But then what would happen? Then then what are we looking at if we did that? What do you mean flip sides? Just like, like if our enemies become it? our allies and our allies become our enemies. But, but why do you have to flip sides? Why can't you just stop? Like, so, like, so, like, here's an example. Like, so, whatever, we pull out of, whatever, where are we right now? Iraq or Afghanistan or some shit? So, like, let's just say tomorrow we fucking pull out of there, right? The surrounding countries might be mad at us. Some of the countries might be mad at us. Some other countries, like England or whatever, is like, oh, you can't pull out. You've done all this stuff. you got to finish up the job. Like, and plus, we're supporting you, and we don't want you to do that. And America's just like, look, we got our own shit to deal with. we got a bunch of other people. we got hungry people. we got to figure this shit out. we got to figure our own shit out. I don't think that England would then go against the United States. They'll be mad at us for a little while, and they fucking get over it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it has to be so extreme where you're like, trading out swapping out all your but i think what it all boils down to is the economy and i think once you do that then you know like it's not like we're like at the top or anything you know what i mean well we're not but like we can't survive on our own (laughs) like our economy would crash but i'm talking about war i'm not talking about trading goods and business i'm talking like Okay, but those all those relationships are like tied into that. Yeah. I mean, let's just both agree that neither of us know enough about politics. I was just going to say that. I was like, just going to really, say that. To like give a real opinion, and I don't think like even if we did, there's no one person who's right. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, Someone could you be are right. more right, but you can't be like there are no absolutes, so. Uh, yeah, here's all I know. It's fucking dumb, but. It's fucking dumb. It's <laughs> That's dumb. why I don't really think and, about it. And, like, reading, yeah, I well, yeah, I don't think about it unless, like, I'm in the moment and we're, like, having this thing right now. Right. But, like, it's just, yeah, okay, yeah, I don't know anything about, like, I have such limited knowledge. And, like you said, yeah, you can't predict the future. You don't, like, even the person who knows everything about it still is, might not necessarily be right. All I know is that I've read this fucking middle grade school history textbook mm-hmm. and I've continuously watched history repeat itself over and over and over and over and over again. And I, we're right. still doing the same shit that we did back then. And it's just like it doesn't take a fucking genius to see that it's continuing. We're continuing down that path of stupidity. Right. So, like, I mean, ultimately, I think we just have to hope for, uh, you know, the nuclear Holocaust, fallout. yeah, and just yeah. 
flatten it out. Start anew. Man, I hope you and me are like the leaders of the new human race after that. That would be so great. Just start with a clean slate. See, I, I hope I'm dead, but... <laughs> nah, I want to be the leader of the new human race. Yeah. Create new Chris rules. Right, okay. Rule number one. Yeah, refer to Ravcast episode like 12 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that was. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get anyway, back on back, track. Yeah. Where are we here? Uh, I know where we are. Um, that the Egyptians, the Gamal Abdel Nasir, uh, seized the Suez Canal from its European owners. In October, Britain and France joined Israel in invading Egypt. Uh, they hoped to get rid of Nasser, and Israel wanted to end Egypt's military threat. Um, American and Soviet opposition finally forced three nations to pull out of Egypt. The second, crisis, the second crisis erupted in Hungary when students and workers demonstrated uh, to demand changes in the government. Um, a new government called for Soviet troops to withdraw. In early November 1956, Soviet leader Nikita Krush, Krush, Khrushchev, Khrushchev. Uh, ordered Soviet forces to crush the revolt. President Eisenhower commanded the Soviet crackdown uh, but did not intervene or commended the Soviet crackdown, uh, but did not e intervene. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought this was funny. So by the mid-1950s, they were they were like, let's, like, I don't constantly want to be at 10. Let's bring it down to, like, a 7. Let's try and figure this out. Right. So in July 1955, Eisenhower, NATO leaders, and Soviet officials met at a summit conference in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, hopefully you know that a summit is a meeting of heads of government. Yep. And they had Ew. hopes of peace. Yeah, so they were basically like, you know what? Instead of competing about, like, war and nuclear weapons, let's do some other competitions. You know, friendly competitions, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, for example, the U.S. and the Soviet Union began competing in a space race. Right. Which I think, like, the funny thing about that is, like, I feel that under, like, underneath, like, that, like, oh, friendly competition, they're like, who can control space first? This right. is how we're going to drop nuclear bombs in the future. <laughs> you know? Who can build a fucking nuclear station on the moon? Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh. It's, you know, like, it sounds like they're just like, yeah, let's, let's be, like, who can explore first? Right. And build war. <laughs> right. You like, know? why not do something like... Space wars. Like, why not? why not do something... Like, if I was Eisenhower, I'd try to trick the Russians into doing something that was more productive. But a race like, like, hey, Russia, let's see who can feed their whole country the fastest. Right. First. Yeah. Right. Or like, let's see per per population, because obviously our populations are different. But based on whatever the percentage of people we have, let's see who have the least jobless country. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. have a race like that, and then mm -hmm. everyone's fucking winning. Right. But instead, it's like, yeah, well, every country. But then at the end, you have to, like, award, like, and whoever wins gets five tanks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, otherwise, they're not going to do it. Right. So. Yeah. But, yeah, totally. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like, 100%. All right, guys. Ready? Who can throw a ball highest in the air? <laughs> This is like a Russian dude and an American delegate just throwing balls up in the air. This is fun. This one is much higher than yours. <laughs> I prefer this over making the bombs. Yeah. 
like the whole like who can do space first was di- the underlying thing was still war. Right. <laughs> and yeah. Anyway, um, in October 1957, the Soviets sent into the space the world's first artificial satellite called Sputnik. Sputnik. <laughs> he is funny. It is a funny name. The U.S. set up its own space program headed by the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, also known as NASA. Yep. Um, so, yeah, during the 1950s, the American economy uh, grew rapidly. Americans earned higher wages and bought more consumer goods than ever before. As a result, factory production soared. A baby boom or increased birth rate promised even more economic growth in the future. Again, still happening now. Just read an article about how millennials are going to be a bigger group than the baby boomers. So we're just in the same exact cycle, just buying shit we don't need. Um, Americans in the 1950s went on a buying spree. Affluence, the growing variety and quantity of products available and expanded advertising all played a role in the increased demand for consumer goods. Because people are dumb. Hey, look at us. We made a brand new refrigerator. It's got seven doors. Yeah. You need this. Yeah. And everyone's like, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it. It's, it's one of those things where, like, but you, you, like, in order for the economy to be good, you need consumers to go out and buy products. If you buy products, that creates jobs and blah, 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 blah. So I get it. The, the problem is, is, like, how they're doing it using credit cards and charge accounts and shit like that. Right. Also, like, there's a difference between. Like, you can go beyond buying necessities, but you don't have to go fucking crazy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't need the newest car when your car only has a thousand miles on it kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, consumers sought the latest products, dishwashers, washing machines, television sets, stereos, and clothes made from synthetic fabric. Ooh. Fuck cotton. <laughs> Sick of it. This shit dries first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, advertising markets, blah, 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 blah. Flashy cars. Yeah. yeah. In the 1950s, Americans bought millions of hula hoops. This is, like, the thing. Like, large plastic rings. They twirled around their waist. <laughs> Other popular fads included crew cuts for boys, poodle scoots for gir- skirts for girls, and a new snack. Pizza! Pizza! Red! <laughs> Fuck you, my morning I don't eat pizza anymore. It's mainstream. Why don't you cook pizza? <laughs> Meatloaf again? God. So they have pizza ovens you can buy for your house. <laughs> Dad? Father? <laughs> uh, an American culture by 1950. <laughs> we could have pizza all the time. Pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza for supper time. When pizza is available every fucking day, you can have pizza all the time. <laughs> you like that? You like that? I feel like something's missing from that, but... Took me all day. I'm just going to stick with it. I'm going to keep brainstorming and working on it, but I know that's missing something, and that shit is going to blow up. <laughs> Meanwhile, in New York... <laughs> <laughs> a Jewish man. man. <laughs> bagels sure are great. I just wish I could, you know, expand into a different market. I wish they just went for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Years later. It took years. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Unfortunate. Uh, fuck. This year at Thanksgiving, when I'm asked what I'm grateful for, I'm going to be like, definitely pizza bagels. 
Because before, I mean, I'm glad that my entire life I've had pizza bagels. I'm glad I never had to live a life not knowing what it was like to not have pizza or bagels anytime I want. Right. <laughs> it's like you. <laughs> also, you know, my family. Someone like someone like my like my. You know, like someone who's like in their mid thirties or something, like like just a few years older than us, are probably like, you know, dude. In my day, they didn't have pizza bagels, so you weren't allowed to eat pizza for breakfast, and you certainly were not allowed to have bagels for dinner. And we weren't smart enough to uh, make them ourselves. Right. So, dude, you 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 don't understand how lucky you have it. You are so lucky. <laughs> you have no idea. I mean, my dad literally killed himself over that plot of not being able to figure that out. Uh, by 1949, more than 900,000 American households had television sets. Uh, they were in large wooden cabinets and had small screens. That the screen, uh, everybody knows this shit. It was grainy. It was black and white. Did you have one of those growing up? Like, like maybe your grandparents or something? Like the old, old, old ones? Like the ones that were like literally inside of a piece of furniture and it weighed like a thousand pounds. My grandparents had one. I vaguely remember it. And I remember always having to get up and like twist the knob. To right, change, yeah. Like it would click to change the channel. Yeah, but it, yeah. it wasn't, uh, it was still, it was in color. Okay. So I don't think it was like this old, mm-hmm. but it was like an old fucker. Because, like, my grandparents had one where, like, I always wondered, like, did they come to your house and just build it there? Because this thing was, like, it was, like, the length of, like, a um, like a queen-size bed, okay? Yeah. And it was all wood, and then it would have, like, a TV and, like, a fucking record, record player on top that you would, like, lift up the top of the wood. Yep. And, like, and then, like, a bunch of drawers on the side. And, like, how the fuck do you get that thing in your house? Like, you're talking right. about, like... Oh, a piece of furniture the size of a bed right <laughs> with a television and a record player inside of it right i don't know yeah, i always thought i was always like how it. the fuck did they do that they probably had to put it together all right because that would be crazy like there's no you need like 10 dudes <laughs> and they would have to be like professional wrestler size right it was so fucking big like and once it's there, it's there. That's yeah, it. there's no <laughs> yeah. moving that. Yeah, when you move, that just stays there. I got to ask. I should ask my dad when I see him this weekend what they fucking did with that thing when they sold my grandparents' house. Yeah. They just butcher it. <laughs> just just like, chop it up yeah. with, with like an artifact. Yeah, just cut it up. That's, Crazy. That's so awesome. All right, anyway. Where are we? Changed American life yeah. because people would gather around the TV for news and, and television programs like I Love Lucy and Fathers Knows Best. Yep. A new form of music called rock and roll achieved the great popularity among teenagers. Uh, it grew from African-American musicians. Yep. It of, often had some elements of country music as well. Yep. Used the, electric instruments, mostly guitars. And the first rock hit reaching number one in 1955 uh, was Bill Haley and the Comets, Rock Around the Clock. Was it really? I don't believe that. What you don't believe that th- that that was the first American hit? One of the rock, first rock hits, reaching tonight. number one in 1955, was Bill Haley and the Comets, "Rock Around the Clock." But then it says adapting the style of African American performers such as Chuck Berry and Little Richard. Okay, so I guess those weren't hits. Because I was gonna say, what about those kind of guys? Yeah, this is probably just it's like still rock music, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I guess maybe Chuck Berry had the song. Right. I think maybe it was like this was the first song. Maybe they're saying like this was the first song that like everybody was like right. this is reaching the number song. one. Yeah, yeah, this is the song. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see the nation scene on yeah. So those guys came out in 1956. Uh, Presley became an idol to millions of young Americans. Made women wet everywhere. Men copied his his swagger and his haircut. Uh, teenagers here the experience of listening to music helped forge the common identity um, during attitudes of older and younger generations towards music. Yeah, this was like you know that shit where. You know, like Elvis is like, you know, shaking his hips on Carson or whatever. And right. Everyone's like, oh, right, he yeah. shook his hips. <laughs> Sexual. The devil did it. His dick moved. That's like a good. I feel like that is such a good, um, like, small kind of incident or uh, just like, I don't know, maybe like a parable of just like how a taste of how, like, uptight and dumb. Amer- the average American was at this time. Right. Well, they, like they had a different, they had like a different set of like morals and ideologies and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's so weird. Um, cause like it was interesting. Cause then it says like, you know, this was the first time that they, they had a generation gap. So like before this, like you just liked what your fucking parents liked. <laughs> yeah. That was basically yeah. It. Yeah. There was no, yeah, there was no separation. Everyone got along. Yeah, yeah, everyone got along so great. It makes me think now, like, though, you know, like, our, like, today in society, we are so, you know, this Caitlyn Jenner thing and, like, you right. know, transsexual, whatever, and, you know, like, you know, TV now. I mean, there's fucking anything on TV, especially if it's, like, you know, HBO and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I Well, w- to be fair, it's not TV, it's HBO. True. Uh, but I, I, this made me think, like, I wonder if in, I don't know, 50 years from now, like, are we going to be uptight? Like, is there, is it, or is it possible that you could be more loose or like more, I don't know. Cause I mean, there's definitely like, as a, na- like as a nation as a whole, right? Like mm-hmm. I, obviously there's still people that are racist there's still people that are closed-minded there's religious people and all that type of shit but right. I'm, I'm broad stroking in general and especially you know talking more in line with like media and that type of thing like i mean what else could it, it, i feel like it can't we're at like the max of like what is a lot la- like what else goes beyond like being transgender like what else could you possibly that's like the right. f- fucking craziest thing like, what else yeah. is there? Like, oh, I'm part robot, part man. I'm part, like, what? I'm, oh, tr- I I identify as a dog. You know what I mean? Like, do you know right, what I yeah. mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like we're at, like, the max of, like, acceptability and, like, craziness. Yeah. So, there's necrophilia. I don't think that'll ever be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, like, the, the threshold. Right. Anything beyond, like, below having sex with dead people you could probably get away with and people aren't going to be like, that's fucking weird or whatever. Right. And they might be like, that's weird, but they'll be like, but I accept you because you know, we all have our thing, man. I can't wait for in 50 years, you're going to have a show that's like friends, but it's all just tranny, like 
fucking like right bunch of dudes that are now bunch of guys that were dudes and now they're chicks but they're bi lesbians and yeah drinking coffee they're just and then just like every episode they're just like fucking and drinking coffee yeah (laughs) uh so 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 at the end of the day caitlin jenner is our new elvis presley yeah pretty much Um, however, though, amongst all this prosperity, more than 20% of Americans actually lived in poverty. Um, millions uh, struggled to survive on incomes that were only slightly above the poverty level. Many farmers did not share in the prosperity of the 1950s. (laughs) Like always just, man, never want to be a farmer. Yeah. Never. Not then, not now. Yeah. They're just always getting dicked over. So weird. All right. Anyway, because <laughs> I just imagine, like, even back then, like, it was like that one thing that you were like praying that your kid didn't want to become. You know, <laughs> like now it's you're like worried. They're like, I want to be a writer or something, and just like, oh, that's not a real job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back then, it's like farming. Right. Shit's done. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot, Billy. Um, yeah, back then, if you told your mom that you wanted to be a farmer, that was like telling your mom, like, in the 80s that you were gay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, small farms could not compete with the larger farms, so that shit just kind of went yep. gone. And then rural poverty did not always come from agricultural problems. In Appalachia, regions stretching along the Appalachian Mountains, the decline of the coal industry plunged thousands of rural mountain people <laughs> into desperate poverty. And during the 1950s, about 1.5 million people abandoned the Appalachian Mountains to seek a better life in the nation's city. It sounds cities. like they never left the yeah, mountains. These mountain people are just flocking to the cities. They're, like, they're just like coming out, holding their hands up, like the lights hitting them in the face, like, yeah. we left the mountains. Hi, I'm here for jobs. What is this? What I don't know where I am. He's <laughs> just like covered in like soot. What have you guys been doing out here? What is where? Where am I? Yeah, uh, sir, you're in Virginia. Uh, this is this you're is in Manhattan. This is uh, you're in Manhattan. This is a city. A city. <laughs> what is a city? <laughs> Sir, can you put some clothes on, please? This is a store. <laughs> a s- store? <laughs> They're just like bumbling around. And everyone's just going about their business. Like, what the fuck is that? Look at this dirty naked dude. Yeah. Get him fucking away from me. <laughs> These new homeless people are really <laughs> weird. <laughs> uh, as increasing numbers of middle class Americans moved to the suburbs in the 1950s, they left the poor behind. Later, poor folks. <laughs> See getting you later, up. suckers. I'm getting an above ground pool. Yeah. <laughs> Not even hot out. I could you give you this dollar, but I'm saving up to get my kids a pool. Yeah. They will not shut up. <laughs> They're going to love it when I get it for them. They cry more than you do, so. <laughs> um, still, a lot of people would come to cities looking for work. Uh, again, more migration from the rural areas of the South. Uh, Three million African Americans. Moved to cities in the North and the Midwest between yep. 1940 and 1960. Yep. Um, but again, just like we've said before, life was not better in the Northern cities since everyone was leaving the fucking cities. 
all these poor areas or ghettos started to develop. Yep. Not a lot of good job opportunities existed for the urban poor. A lot of factories and businesses relocated to suburban areas. Also, automation uh, reduced jobs in the industries that remained. It became more and more difficult for the urban poor to rise from poverty and improve their lives, which, again, is just yeah, just happening forever. Um, I kind of remember my mom... I forget why she was why we were talking about this type of shit, but she was like talking about how like her dad was like like and, and other people at that time were like kind of racist because they like lived in New York and like I guess or Newark and like I guess you know this time like all these African American people like moved in and there was like you know ghettos and poverty and poor and blah 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 and yeah. so like people in the north just immediately were like associated like black people with like pro- a problem yeah i'm watching um there's a miniseries on hbo right now called uh show me a hero which is all about the housing crisis in yonkers where okay. like all you know you have the was it the sawmill parkway yeah that goes through yonkers so west of the parkway was all black neighborhoods and like all your like high rises and projects mm-hmm. and east was like all white like polish italian um Irish and stuff, mm-hmm. and basically the Supreme Court ruled that they had to build that they, they couldn't have this segregation in the late '80s, so they ruled that they had to build low-income houses on the east side. And it's basically just all about that fight where everyone, you know, all those white communities are like, "We don't want this in our neighborhood." Like all of our property values are going to decline, right. and crime's going to increase, and all this shit. Like they had a reason to believe it, but there's so many areas that aren't like that you know what i mean right like they were just pigeonholing african-americans is like that's definitely what's gonna happen right not realizing that there's african-americans in those communities that wanted to get out of that that were hard workers and and struggling to survive and stuff yeah so it's kind of weird like these poor you know all these poor minorities like move to the cities and it sounds like life was not much better in the city from where they came from so like why not just, I don't know, does this sound racist? Like, why not just go back to whatever it could town just, you're from? It might just be just as worse. So, like, you know what I mean? I'm damned if I, I'm fucked here and I'm fucked there, so I'm staying yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Because then, yeah, and then I would imagine you move there and then all these people are being mean towards you. And now you're, like, almost become, like, stubborn. You're like, well, now I'm not fucking leaving. Fuck you. I like living here. Right, yeah. You can't kick me out. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked up. Fucking crazy. Uh, so yeah changes in american society in the 1950s caused some people to question the values that were emerging um some critics charged that the sameness of corporate and suburban life had a cost the loss of individuality coming robots (laughs) um others condemned american materialism which was a focus on accumulating money and possessions rather than interest in personal and spiritual matters uh, I mean, then some people wrote some stuff yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, many wrote about the effects of individual behavior. William H. White Jr. Uh, studied American business life in the organization. In the organization, man, he drew a picture of young executives as organization men who quote have left home spiritually as well as physically. He concluded that businesses discouraged independent thinking and considered. The person with new ideas a threat um young executives who uh abandoned their own views were 
one's most likely to fit in, which I, I actually find interesting. I that book seems interesting. Like I like I, I don't know. It's just I, that quote and that idea I agree with, and I'm almost like kind of like it'd be cool to read that book, even though I probably won't ever. But right, it's like seems like interesting subject matter because that's I feel like that's not something you hear a lot anymore. Like people talk about. Or at least in my world, I don't hear that. I mean, that you don't much. hear it, but I mean, you see it, you know? Like, this whole idea of, like, climbing the corporate ladder. It's like, if me and you wanted to get into um, finance or something like that, we wanted to be stockbrokers or some shit like that, we would have to learn how to play golf. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I have no interest in playing golf. Right. <laughs> but we would have to. Right. And you have to be like... And if you don't, then you're not going to go anywhere. Right. And you have to be a slave to the man. Yeah, exactly. It's still, all that. yeah, it's definitely like still a thing. Yeah, that whole lifestyle freaks me the fuck out. Right. It yeah. Really freaks me out. I can't. I can't. And it, and maybe I'm, uh, am have, what's the word for it when you like, think too highly of yourself. But like, I just, I I can't feel like I'm being like a corporate slate. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't consider myself like a hippie no, or a hipster you, or anything. It's like you're a round peg and they're trying to push you into a square hole kind of thing. Yeah. That's it just doesn't work. Weird. And I'm down no. to work. I Listen, I like working. I want to work. Right. But I just don't want to like do that like right. feel like I'm a I drone. I don't want to talk to you about college football. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like we could talk about other things or we could just not talk and we could just do our jobs or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I also think it's interesting too because I I don't want to join your fantasy football league. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because I a part of me almost wishes that I did have an Omer. Like, dude, are there people that just like love to do like? I feel like there's some people that are just like, yeah, I love financing. I love that. Right. <laughs> like, and I just they like love that shit. But I wonder like, do they love it or no. do they like or do they love the stability? And the security that they get from it. Yeah, no, they just love being in that environment. It's such a douchey environment. Well, and I have friends that are in that environment. Like, I am obviously yeah. have friends that do that type of shit. Yeah, like, like friends who are lawyers and are just like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, not that I don't like you as a friend. Just, just couldn't oh, do it. Yeah. Me, personally, couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so, changing times, uh, we have these beat writers like Jack Kerouac. Uh, a lot of young Americans were starting to relate with them. And there was these attitudes of rebelling against the middle-class America. With American society changing, women and African-Americans began questioning their roles. Um, they became increasingly impatient for change and less willing to accept their status as a second-class citizens. And in the 1950s, both groups launched efforts to gain greater freedom and equality. That's what we will be getting into next chapter. That was chapter 27. Yeah, I, def I definitely like the back end of that chapter more than the beginning of the chapter. Yeah. it. I don't know if they do it, but it would be really awesome if we could do, like, a media studies book. But I don't know if they do that at, like, this reading level. What do you mean media studies? Like, like American history, but through, like, studying more, like, media-focused stuff. Like, rock and roll, blues, radio, TV, right. movie, like, all that type of shit. Mm -hmm. I like that stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I think if you... I don't know if there would be a book that encompasses like everything or if you would have to just do like American cinema, you know, because I mean, I've taken classes like that. So mm -hmm. well, I took a media studies class in college that was just like we kind of like 
touched on everything mm-hmm. a little bit and right. I don't, we didn't get like overly in depth into like one thing i don't think um but yeah this uh we're nearing the end of this book yep we got getting there four more chapters damn um so yeah as always this goes out to chloe c childers ivy you're my girls i love you don't ever change from what I think of you in my head. From what I imagine you to look like and what you do look like when I stare at you every night when you sleep. Perfect. You know when you wake up and Angels. You, you when you wake up and you feel like someone's watching you or like breathing in your ear? It's not a feeling. <laughs> That's actually happening. That's me. <laughs> and that goes out to any listener. <laughs> that goes I'm out to watching all of you, you all. Yeah. As always, um, all the U.S. Armed Forces, but not the ones that don't really do anything. Word the fuck up. All right. See you guys next week. Peace.